You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Don't see anybody. All right, a pen? Anybody need a pen tonight? Warm cup of hot chocolate? What if we pass those around? Wouldn't that be nice, a few of you? I may not, uh, uh, Brother Noel, I see you got the rain slicker on. There's no, there's no uh, drips in here, brother. Just want you to be aware, okay? So you're, all right, now you're just messing with me. You're fine. You're fine. Matthew chapter 16 tonight, and uh, next week, I'm going to go ahead and tell you what the series is going to, to be that I'm excited about. Um, I'm going to start a series next week on the book of Ecclesiastes. And so we're going to start that next Wednesday, and... Uh, Hope it goes well. No, it's going to be great. Uh, it's, a, it's a great book of the Bible. It's a book of man's wisdom. It's a book that shows us that we can have everything of this world that we want, and it's not enough. And it's not going to satisfy. Only Jesus satisfies. So it's going to be a great, great uh, Bible study for us, and I'm uh, looking forward to that. But tonight, <clears throat> I kind of wanted to give us before our Vision Sunday this week, and I feel like probably this Sunday is when, you know, people from vacation and all that are going to be like, okay, now we're back into the church schedule and all that. But uh, before we get into our theme for the year and, and all of that, I wanted to kind of give us a little reset in the area of what the church is and what the church is supposed to do. We've got new people in church. We've got folks watching online. Maybe they're newer to our church and you've not heard really what the church is, what it's supposed to, how it's supposed to function, what it's supposed to do. And uh, it was so amazing that Brother Young on the video tonight mentioned the church is not a building, it's a people, because that's point one on my lesson tonight. And, uh, but uh, we're going to look at a couple scriptures here, and I want us to keep in mind that when we're talking about what the church is supposed to do, can we please remember that we are the church? And so it's not like, yeah, you should, pastor. Yeah, you should. get No, we should. That's the point tonight, is that we are the church. And so let's look at this, Matthew chapter 16. And look at verse 16. Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Remember, Jesus said, Who do people say the Son of Man, I the Son of Man am? And Peter gets the answer right. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood hath revealed it unto thee, but my for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. I will build my church. Jesus said that. He will build, and it is his church that he's building. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now take your Bible and go to Acts chapter 2, and we're going to look at some scripture in Acts chapter 2. About so, so Jesus is starting establishing the church, and he's saying, and, and I will be the one that builds it. And then in Acts chapter 2, we get a glimpse of what the first church was really about and what they did. And so, we're going to see some purposes of the church here. And uh, Acts chapter number 2, if you look at verse <clears throat> number 41. We'll look at verse 41 and 42. The Bible says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And uh, there, there's the next step, right? They got saved, and the next step was, oh, baptism. And the next step, they were added to the church. That's what we're doing in a couple weeks. Next step Sunday. Whatever your next step is, let's get you there. 
And so they just said, what's the next logical thing? Now that I'm saved, the Bible says get baptized. I got baptized. Now they're added to the church. And uh, the same day, there were added to them about 3,000 souls. Wouldn't that be great? Just, you know, one minute, it's like, you know, we're, we're a normal church. And the next week, we have 3,000 members, you know, plus, whatever. And uh, verse 42, and they continued steadfastly. So they got saved, they got baptized, and then they stayed in church. They got into church. It always bugs me when, when you know, we, we see, you know, these multitude of people saved out soul winning, but they never go to church. You're thinking, well, well that's, the logical step is that they're supposed to go to church. And if Christ be formed in them, they should be coming to church, right? And so that's what happened. They continued steadfastly in four things, in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. So we're going to talk about the church tonight. Let's pray together and we'll dive in. Father, I pray that you bless this message tonight. May you convict our hearts at Gethsemane Baptist Church about being the church even when we're not at church. And I pray that you would help us this evening to really see what our church is supposed to be doing. And so uh, really arrest our attention to your word tonight. Holy Spirit, work in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The word church is mentioned 110 times in Scripture. Jesus loves the church. Jesus died for the church. So let's look at the church tonight, give a little overview, and then at the end, I left at the very end a couple thoughts for you of what the role of a church member is supposed to be. I don't plan on preaching that. I'm just going to leave that with you, uh, but uh, who knows? Who knows? I may just decide to preach. But uh, I plan on just getting to the rest of the stuff to show us some things tonight. What the church is and what the church is not, okay, scripturally. First of all, the church is not. What is the church not? The church is not, fill this in, a building. The church is not a building, though there are church buildings, right? You're, you would say tonight, hey, I'm going to church, because you're referring to the building. But when we're talking about the church in Scripture, the church is people. That, you are the church. When the Bible talks about Jesus coming, you know, and coming for the church, and he died for the church, Jesus didn't die for the building here, okay? He died for us. And uh, when the church is raptured, it's, it's us. The building's not going to be gone. Oh, the rapture, where's the building's at? No, it's the people, right? So the marriage supper of the Lamb, that's for the church. And so it's a people. God doesn't dwell in this building. He dwells in us individually. So the church is not a building. It's a people. Oh, and, but we do in, have a church building. I know this may be a little, it seems like I'm contradictory there. But the church, also number next there, the church is not a group of pleasure seekers worshiping God in their own way. That, that's not the scriptural model. Well, I like this, and I care about this, and I want to do it this way, and I just want to... That is not the scriptural model. You will see in scripture that it really doesn't matter what we like so much. It matters what God likes. And so the, the church is supposed to be worshiping God in God's way. Not in my own I worship God by staying home and watching the football game tomorrow and drinking beer. Well, guess what? You're not worshiping God the way he wants to be worshipped. You're worshiping your idol of God, who you think he is, right? So that's not the right way. Letter C, the church is not a group of people meeting in a home for a Bible study. Well, I'm just going to meet with so-and-so, and that's the... No, no, no. There is a group of people. We're going to see what it is in just a second here of what the church is. Number two, what the church is. The word church comes from the Greek word ekklesia. It's actually two words, ekklesia, which means a called out assembly. So write this in. The church is a local 
called out assembly of Christians. That's the church. Now, don't neglect the word assembly. Assembly is important. The word assembly is a group of people gathered together in one place for a common purpose. It denotes sameness. Right? We're, here, we're here believing the same thing. We're here for the same purpose. We share a, a, a common or same salvation. We have a same baptism. We have the same Bible. We have the same Holy Spirit of God inside of us. Even as Ephesians, I think it's four, talks about one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and all of that. And we share that. And uh, we're not just a group. We're not just a crowd or a collection. We're an assembly. We're gathered together uh, believing the same thing. So the letter C here, the church is made up of saved, baptized believers. Saved, baptized believers. You've been saved, but you haven't been baptized. You need to get baptized. That's the first of obedience to Christ. You get baptized. After you get baptized, you should be added to the church. After that, you should uh, be in discipleship, growing, and then serving. And so there's steps to this thing, and that's what we ought to be doing is growing each step of the way. Let's talk about the local church for a minute. First of all, I want to say this. God set up three institutions in Scripture that we see. Three institutions in Scripture that we see. First of all, he set up the home to provide for us. The home to provide for us. In 1 Timothy chapter number 5, verse 8, it talks about uh, providing. It says, but if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house... He hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. The, the home is, is God's idea. The home is supposed to be a haven. It is supposed to be a, 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 a little slice of heaven on earth. But really, the home of a lot of people is not a slice of heaven on earth. It's a slice of something else on earth. And, uh, but that's not how it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a beautiful picture, and it's supposed to be something that is, uh, <coughs> excuse me, a, a, a glorious thing, and it, and it provides for us. Secondly, the government. God established the government to protect us, and there is government in the Bible. In fact, you see in Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, the, the first mention there of, of, hey, if you spill man's blood, by, by men your blood will be shed. And so it, it begins there, this accountability within society of saying, look, you know, you transgress and you do this. Well, guess what? This happens. Then we get into Leviticus, and there is this the law. And, and the, you know, if you see the ox fall into the pit, you know, and if you see this and you see that, and you don't do. And so all of these societal type of laws, and now there's a government. And that's there to protect us. Now, you may not like where our government is in America right now. And guess what? Join the crowd. I don't think anybody's just super satisfied with our government. But uh, to say the least, right? But anyway, but notice, though, that this is something that God set up. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 14, the previous verse talks about actually submitting yourselves to authority. <clears throat> and then it says, uh, and, or unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. Now, you know, authority is supposed to be punishing the evildoers. 
Now, I, I, again, I'm not preaching a political message, but you, you can tell in our city, and, and uh, I heard some stories about San Francisco recently, uh, uh, about uh, there's a, some lawlessness and people just stealing stuff and running out of the, the stores, and no one's caring, you know, and so there's not a lot of punishment being handed out, but that government's supposed to do that. In Romans chapter 13, verse 3 and 4, it says, For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? There, there's supposed to be some fear in us of transgressing the law, right? <clears throat> but it says there, and by the way, you know what it feels like. Some of you drove here tonight, and you saw a, a light in your mirror that looked blue and red. For a second, you checked your speedometer, and you know. There's a fear in us over, over some of those things, and it's a good fear. But do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. You know, you know how it is. How many times have you gotten a call on your phone from the governor saying, hey, thank you for being a law-abiding citizen, right? That happens all the time. But it's saying, you know, you're not going to be the one getting into trouble, right? Do the, thou shalt have praise the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wow, so God has given a lot of power into authority, into government, <clears throat> a lot of authority into government. So God instituted the home, God instituted government, but God also instituted the church. So the home to provide for us, the government to protect us, but the church to perfect us. Perfect us. And that's the Bible terminology in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, when it says there for the perfecting of the saints. Now, does that mean here tonight that we're making you perfect? Not in our definition, because there's no perfect people here tonight. But in the biblical definition, the word perfect means mature. It means complete. And so what the church is supposed to be doing and why God gave the church is to help us to become complete as Christians, to mature in our Christian faith, to grow. And that was God's idea for the church. Look, if our church... If we are not helping people grow, what are we doing? Now, I'll talk about it in a minute, but you, you can't make people grow. I get that, and we'll talk about that. But let's keep that in mind. Okay, so God set up three institutions. Number two, he gave to the church two ordinances. Two, uh, the word could be rites or, or things that we perform in the church. The two ordinances, you probably already filled it in, baptism, and the Lord's Supper, the Lord's table, communion. Those are the two ordinances that the local church is supposed to be carrying out pretty frequently, is baptism and the Lord's Supper. Now, in our church, now, there is no biblical model for how often you had to do the Lord's Supper, uh, but uh, it, it's as often as you do it. Uh, that's what the Bible says, and we do once a month, right? We did, did we do it last week, or is it this Sunday? Is this Sunday? Boy, it feels like it's been a long week already, hasn't it? But uh, this Sunday, we're doing the Lord's Supper in the evening service. And, uh, and that's what we do once a month. And that's what our church is supposed to do as far as uh, 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 doing that ordinance, right? So God gave it to the church to do those things. Well, I'm going to baptize myself down at the river, at the swimming pool. No. 
And I, I've had people ask me that, Pastor, can I just you know, have somebody baptize me in the, in the, you know, in the swimming pool? N- n- no, that's not, no, it's supposed to, and it kind of ruins the purpose of baptism, right? It's supposed to be a public thing showing your uh, faith in Christ. And the Lord's Supper, that's not something you do at home. You know, well, I'm just going to get my wine and my, my bread and I'm going to go to town. No, 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 no. This is a, a thing that God's people are to do together. So that's the two ordinances. Number three, the local church has two offices. There's the pastor and there are pastors, and there are deacons, pastor and deacon. Those are the two offices of the church. Some of this I know for you is probably review. You've got it. You've got it nailed down. But uh, there are some tonight this may be new to, and we're going to get to some other stuff in a minute. You know, there's no office in the Bible of choir member. There's no office in the Bible of Sunday school teacher. There's no office in the Bible of usher. There's no office in the Bible of security guard there's no office in the Bible of those things. And a lot of what we do uh, at church, it's not, that there's no, there, it's not that there's no reason for doing it, but there's no command to do it. Like, you know, a lot of what we do is tradition that we've done in church for a long time. The Bible doesn't say thou shalt have a choir, but we've got a choir. The Bible doesn't say thou shalt have ushers. We've got ushers. The Bible doesn't say thou shalt have, uh, you know, a, a, a second hour nursery workers. But, but you know what? I'm glad we have them. But the Bible does talk about that a church is supposed to have a pastor and some deacons, or pastors and deacons, okay? Number four, Jesus Christ is to be the center of our attention in the church. He's the center. He's the center. And you're going to love our theme coming up on Sunday. I'm telling you what. I want to write a few things underneath that. First of all, Christ is the head of the church, the Bible says, He's the leader. I'm, I'm not the, the leader. I'm the under-shepherd. He's the great shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He's the glorious shepherd. That's Christ. He is the head of the church. And look, so, so we ought to be asking ourselves, what does Christ want? How can we exalt Jesus more? How can Jesus have first place in our church and in our lives? So, number, letter B there, the church is to be subject to Christ. Now, take your Bible, and we're going to come back here. Let's go to Ephesians. I want you to see some of these verses because they're so important for the, for the text tonight, uh, for the teaching tonight. Ephesians chapter number 5 in your Bibles. And uh, these are verses that give us an, uh, some teaching on Jesus and the church. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Verse 24, therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. The church is subject unto Christ, subordinate. uh, uh, we, We are doing, we are following his leading there. Letter C. Christ is to have preeminence in the church. Preeminence. What do, and the Bible says that in Colossians 1.18, all things he might have the preeminence. What does preeminence mean? What does that mean, that, that Jesus would have the preeminence? It literally means to be first. It means to be of superior value. It means that in, in Christ's church, he should be first. He should have first place. Amen? Amen. He should get first place. Not my preference, 
not your preference, Christ. You know, we have a lot of problems in churches, within our churches in America, is because Jesus isn't first. I'm first. Because I want what I want. And you sat in my seat. And how dare you do that? And you think that's a joke, but it's not. People get bent out of shape over things. You know, the, the, we, we change the color of the carpet. And now, oh, you know, they're going downhill. It, it, we, it, we cannot be me first. It's Jesus first. It's his church. The Bible says that Christ builds the church numerically and spiritually. Matthew 16, 18, we saw that. He will build the church. Now, the church is described in three ways scripturally. Uh, it gives three analogies of the church. First of all, the church is the bride of Christ. And uh, as, as a husband and wife is being talked about in this passage, it's equating it to Christ and the church. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of, the word, of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it should be holy and without blemish. There's other passages, Revelation 19 and other places talk about the, the church as the bride. So we understand that. that and by the way, the, don't, don't get weird on that doctrine. You know, we can be like, wait, I'm the bride of Christ. I'm a guy. That's weird. No, 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 no. The church is the bride of Christ. All of us together, okay? The marriage supper, what's that talking about? Look, just be happy there's supper, okay? That's all you got to know, all right? But no, but the church together, we are the bride of Christ together. And he wants us with him. He loves us. He cherishes us. He's going to take us to be with him, okay? So don't, get, don't, don't take that doctrine in a weird way, okay? Letter B, the church is referred to as the body of Christ. The bride of Christ, but also the body of Christ. <clears throat> uh, the Bible says in verse 23, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Now, what the church is supposed to be, what Gethsemane Baptists are supposed to be right here in Long Beach, we're supposed to be the mouth, the hands, and the feet of God in this world. We're supposed to be speaking to the world what God wants us to say, helping the people God wants us to help, and going to the people God wants us to go to. That's what we're supposed to be. We're the body of Christ, all right? Now, every member has a different function, okay? I've got five fingers on each hand. I'm thankful for all of them. But you know, there's, there's different functions. My fingers serve a different function than my elbow, right? So every member has a different function, but every member is important. You, you know, well, I'm the earlobe of the family of God. Oh, it's better than being the middle finger. You know what I'm saying? Like, you ought to be thankful for what you are, okay? You are, you are part of the family of God. And uh, you have a function. You have a purpose here. And so be thankful for that, all right? Every member needs the other members. Look, my hand needs my forearm. You know what I'm saying? Like, without it, that'd be, that'd be kind of strange, right? We, we need each other. Every member needs the other member. That's why it's important for you to be a member of a local church. The body needs you. You need the body. So the church is likened to the bride of Christ. It's likened to the, the body of Christ. But number three, the church is the building of Christ. The building of Christ. And that's 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 11. If you remember in Scripture, Jesus is talked about in 1 Peter 2, 6 and 7 that he is the cornerstone. 
He's, he's the, the most important block in the structure. You got to get the cornerstone in, in, in place. He's the cornerstone. He's the foundation. If you ever go, see an old building built with a cornerstone, it is the most important brick, or most, it's usually huge in a building. Jesus is the foundation. Uh, Jesus is the builder of the church, the Bible says. Uh, he's the foundation of 1 Corinthians 3.11. He's the builder of the church in Matthew 16, 18. I will build my church. So he's the cornerstone, he's the foundation, and he's the builder of the church. But the church is the body of Christ, the building of Christ. So that is all just kind of to, to help us see what does God think about us, okay? We're a building. He's building us uh, uh, consistently, gradually, helping us. We're the bride. He loves us and cherishes us. And just as a, a husband's supposed to uh, sacrifice for his wife, Christ sacrificed for us because he loves us. And we're the bride of Christ. We're the body of Christ. We're supposed to be active, doing things. We need each other. We have important functions. But as a church, as a body, we're supposed to be going out and helping people and distributing and doing things, right? So all of these things lead us to the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church. Why? Why do we have a church? Is it just something to do on a Wednesday night? No, you had things to do, I'm sure. But uh, why is it important? Why do we have a church? Take your Bible, go back to Acts chapter 2, please. This is the part that I was excited to get to because I want us to know, as a church, why we're here, what we're supposed to be doing. Okay? Acts chapter 2, this, this really helps us uh, if we can get a clear idea of what Christ expects out of his church, out of us, what he wants from us, boy, that, that really sets our direction and helps us to know whether or not we're fulfilling our purpose. So uh, let's look at these together. Uh, the, the first thing, the first purpose of the church, I want you to write down, is to edify, mature, and instruct the saints. The word there is edify. Edify, mature, and instruct the saints. What does it mean to edify? We don't use that word a lot, edify. I want to edify you, brother. What, is that? what does that mean? Uh, it means to build up. To build up. We're build, we're, uh, you know, when, when Christ edifies us, he's building up. We are supposed to build up the saints. We're supposed to mature, get you to the next step. As a baby, you're drinking milk. You're not eating steak. But as you get older, uh, you're tolerating more food. Now you're working from the milk. You're getting to those disgusting like peas that are, that are like squashed up that, that the kids love, but no human above the age of four will ever eat or tolerate. And, uh, you know, the Gerber baby food stuff. You got the weird oatmeal concoction. You ever seen that stuff that kids eat? You know, you had to, it's like dry. You pour it in and mix it up. And look, I mean, it looks disgusting. And the kids are just gobbling it up. And then you go from that, and then they discover sugar, you know. And then, you know, they go into the, where they're eating sandwiches and grilled cheeses, and, and, they, and they don't tolerate anything with spice or flavor or salt. You know, as, as a kid, it's just like cheese, bread, you know, those type of things. And as they go further, hey, now they're eating Lucky Charms or Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Can I get a witness on Cinnamon Toast Crunch? Anybody? Okay, thank you. A few of you, a few of you are right with God tonight. And uh, then you move on, and you get the steak and, and lobster. I don't know if they're going to eat all that, but uh, you, you, you're growing. You're maturing. You're handling more things. You're able to palate more things. 
As you're growing in your Christian life, when you're young in your Christian life, it's hard to handle some things. There are some doctrines that are tricky to you. There are some situations that come up that overwhelm you that, boy, in 10 years from now, you handle that no problem. But as you're growing in your Christian life, man, that's going to be tough for you. What do you do? You stick with it. There's growing pains. When I was 10 and I moved to Germany uh, uh, for three years there, I was, I was like four foot seven or something like you know I was, I was i was small and then i remember over the course of one summer i grew 12 inches that's that's a lot to be growing in three to four or five months i had shin splints growing pains i'd sit there and just oh you know if you ever had them they are they're pretty intense pains you ever get like a cramp in the back of your leg or something imagine that on your shin like it's the same feeling there and uh, I, I remember, hey, there, there were growing, I'm, I'm glad I'm six foot two, but there was some pain to get here. And uh, I'm sure that as I get older, there'll be more pain and I'll be shorter. I'll be, I'll be going back down to four foot seven, right? But, but uh, there was pain. Uh, the, and, and sometimes as you're growing in your Christian life, man, you got you to gotta get bumps and bruises. The devil's going to put stumbling blocks in front of you, but that doesn't mean you stop growing. That's unnatural, it is unnatural for a Christian to stop growing, just as it is unnatural for a three-year-old to stop growing. You have to keep growing in your Christian life. And one of the ways that's going to help you do that is church. Church. The church is to edify, mature, and instruct the saints. Look at Acts chapter 2. It says here a couple things the church is supposed to do. They continued steadfastly. Notice them. In the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, Breaking of bread, prayers. So how does the church edify, mature, and instruct the saints? Okay, let's look at the little lowercase Roman numeral one there. The church is to develop its members spiritually with strong, solid, biblical teaching and preaching. That's what you're supposed to be getting at church, is strong, solid, biblical preaching and teaching the church the bible says is to be the pillar and ground of the truth not the pillar and ground of opinion pillar and ground of truth that's what we stick with okay and the church should be focused write this in on doctrine the word doctrine is the word teaching what is the what is the teaching of the bible that's what we want to know. What does God say? And so when we're talking about the church, what is, how is the church going to help you grow? Look, the church is not going to grow by me just getting up here and telling you my political preferences and getting up here and telling you, you know, what I believe about the NFL or the NBA. Or, you know, and I'm not saying that a pastor can't say those things. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is there's got to be truth. Your Sunday school teacher in here. Are you preaching the truth? Are you giving truth? Are you taking this book and saying, this is what God says. This is what that means. This is how you apply that to your life or your marriage or your teenage life tonight. This is how you do that. That's what we've got to be doing because that's what the early church did and that's what's gonna build people is the meat and milk of the word of God so that's what we're sticking with. We're sticking with the doctrine and preaching and teaching the word of God. Secondly, the church is supposed to teach, promote, and practice prayer. You see it says there, in breaking of bread and in prayers. One of the big burdens upon my heart 
is to get us praying more. We're looking at some ways to do that, uh, to, to kind of mixing up our Wednesday evening service to give us more opportunities to pray. It's hard to get people in on off days at church. It just is in our city. Everybody's busy. Everybody's working, you know, 168 hours a week, which there's only 168 hours in a week, you know, and, uh, and, and it's, it's difficult. But, but while you're here, uh, we're, we're going to try to give you opportunities and we're working on that because we, we not only want to tell you to pray, we want to instruct you how to pray, and we want to give you opportunities to pray. And that's what the church is supposed to be doing, and that is a great way to help saints mature in their faith. Thirdly, the church should provide fellowship for believers. So they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and teaching and in fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers. So we got prayers, we got doctrine, now we're talking about fellowship. That is an important thing. Let's not overlook the importance of that aspect of the church. Fellowship is important. We come to church sometimes, and I'm, and I'm guilty of this too. I'm rushing to my Sunday school class because I'm teaching. I'm there teaching, and I'm coming in here, and my mind's on church. My mind's on God. My mind's on the message I'm going to preach. My mind's on, hey, i got to meet these people. i got to go over here. And then I get done, and I'm walking out, and I, and I walk out of church, and I'm like, okay, and I'm thinking, boy, did I, did I take time to just stop and fellowship? And we need more times with that. We need more, we call them fellowships, but we need more opportunities at church. Again, something else we're working on is to give us more opportunities to just be with one another. We need that. I don't need that. I'm an introvert. Yeah, you do need that. All right? Even if you have to, like, Skype in or FaceTime in or something, you need that time with other Christians. Absolutely. Everybody does. Number four, the church provides opportunity to, to participate in the Lord's Supper. Uh, and that's what Acts chapter 2 is talking about when it says breaking of bread. It's talking about, the, it says, uh, they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and prayers. And my belief, studying that, is that it's re referencing the Lord's Supper, taking the Lord's Supper. That they're, that they're uh, as a church, that that's what they're doing. Now, you know, we, we could say, yeah, you know, to break bread means, you know, uh, we're old mafia Italian people and we're going to break bread, you know, and we're sitting down together and talking. And, and, and maybe that could be a, certainly a, 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 an application of it, that uh, you're sitting down and you're eating and talking. But I don't think that's the, that's the picture of the first church, that they're just sitting down eating all the time. You know, hey, take some bread. Hey, why don't you break that? Let's talk some more. It, it was more of their instituting the Lord's Supper. They already had the fellowship. We talked about that, right? So, but this is something they were doing together, the Lord's Supper. All of that that we're talking about, we would call it discipleship. Helping people understand the Word of God and grow with doctrine. Helping people pray, praying with people. Uh, giving fellowship, getting people further along. The Lord's Supper it's discipleship. That's what our church is supposed to be doing, is, is helping people keep going for God. Get to the next step. That's what we're doing. Now, the thing is this. Nobody can make you grow. Look, you can't make you grow. You can't make yourself grow one foot if you wanted to. Some of you would like to, right? You're like, I'm vertically challenged. I'd love to be a, a foot taller. But, but you can't decide that. And I can't decide if you grow spiritually. But what you can do is put yourself in the, in the position to grow, and you will grow. 
If you're in church where you're supposed to be and you are taking it seriously and you have a desire for growth and you are studying the word of God, you will grow. That's just how it is. You will grow. So you may not be able to make yourself grow spiritually, and, 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 but, but if you put yourself, I mean physically, but if you put yourself in the right spot spiritually, you will grow. Just keep coming to church. Get in your Bible. Listen. Do what's talked about. Do the things that the early church was doing, and you will be growing in your faith. Absolutely. So the purpose of the church is to edify, to mature, to instruct the saints. Secondly, the purpose of the church is to exalt and bring glory to God. To exalt and bring glory to God. Now, we're only going to go through these three here. The church member's role at the end is something for you to think about, something for you to take home with you. But we're going to look at these last two, and we'll be done. The church is to exalt and bring glory to God. The church is to exalt and bring glory to the pastor. No, it's not. The pastor is not God of any church. The church is not to exalt and bring glory to any spiritual leader, any person other than Jesus Christ. The Bible talks about in Ephesians 1, 6, to, the, the, or chapter 3 actually, that talks about that God getting glory in the church. And that's what is supposed to happen. As we talked about earlier, Jesus is to be lifted up in the church. He is to be first place. First place in all that we do is Jesus. When leaders get so big in their own mind that they stop giving Bible doctrine because they just think whatever they say is magic, there's problems. Jesus is first. We have to remember that. God should be glorified by what happens in church. God should be glorified by how you sang tonight in church. Was he? God should be glorified by our giving heart. God should be glorified by are we, are we encouraging and edifying one another. God should be glorified with our spirit towards the preachers. Heard this before. Goodness, we're talking about the church again. Great. Couldn't get anything interesting. Look, Brother Slater, I can't always please you, my friend, okay? But, no, I'm just kidding. But, you know, you can't have that spirit, and I don't know anybody that does. I'm just saying, you can't have that spirit and be giving God glory. That's not, that's not how it works. We are to exalt and glorify God. He should be honored and worshiped at church. He should be obeyed. His word should be preached, and he should be lifted up. His people should be holy. We often think, and I mentioned earlier, that church is about what we like. We need to figure out what is God like. What does a holy God want to see when he looks at church? When he looks at his people. I think about Moses coming down off the mountain in Exodus 32. And he's like, yeah, he just led all these people out of Israel. And he comes down, he's like, what in the world? <laughs> he's breaking the stone tablets, you know. And he's saying, you know, this is not how I left you. Right? This is not pleasing and honoring to God. And God told Moses, you better get down, and I'm paraphrasing, you know, uh, you better get down there because I'm going to kill them. I'm going to wipe them out. So Moses runs down, he's pulling his hair out. What are you doing, people? And, you know, Aaron's like, just threw the thing in the water and the calf popped out, you know, and just all of this stuff. They're dancing around naked and all this stuff. There's music being played. And look, when God looks at the church, it shouldn't be like when Moses is looking down off the mount. What are these people doing? What is that music? Why are they dressed like that? 
Why are they acting that way? What's with the dancing? It shouldn't be that way. God is the thrice holy God. And he wants to see a people that is separate from the world, a people, and I'm not telling you tonight what holiness looks like. I'm saying we're supposed to be holy. We're supposed to be doing things that when God looks at the church, he's saying they're lifting up Christ. That's what they're doing. It's not about them and their preferences. It's about Christ in that church. That's what I want for our church. I want this church to exalt Jesus Christ. I already feel like, the, you know, I have, uh, there's, uh, we talked about preferences and things like that. Like, I don't want just my preferences at church. I want Christ uh, glorified and lifted up. That's the purpose of the church. Edify, mature, and instruct the saints. Exalt, bring glory to God. And lastly, evangelize the world evangelize the world no big deal just reach the whole world for christ but that's what we're supposed to do the bible tells us that you know in in every gospel in the book of acts it says you go uh, over and over again go ye into all the world and preach the gospel you know uh, all powers given me in heaven and earth you know teach therefore uh, and all of, all all the ver verses we already know but we're supposed to be evangelizing the world the church is to go out to the highways and hedges and compel them to come in we're to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Uh, Gethsemane is supposed to be a lighthouse right here on Orange Avenue. Right here on Orange Avenue. It's supposed to be a lighthouse to all of our neighboring community here that, that, that we can help them. But look, if we all just sit inside the lighthouse, then it's not going to help us. Well, we can shine from the inside. No, the light shines to the outside. We've got to get out of the walls of Gethsemane Baptist Church we got to go into the highways and hedges. The first part of gospel is go. And we've got to be good at this. We've got to get out of our seat, get out of our comfort zone, get outside the walls of the church, and reach people. We're so, and again, one of our jobs is to be training you how to reach people, teaching you that. But not only are, are we supposed to be evangelizing the world, but another purpose of the church is that we should be making a difference in our community. We should be making a difference. When you look at what the church was doing, when you look at what Christ did, he was healing, he was feeding, he was doing things that helped people physically as well. I'm glad we've got a homeless ministry starting up. I'm thrilled about that. Because those are the type of ministries we've got to have more and more of. Getting outside the walls of our church. And yes, we need every ministry that we have inside the church. Yes, we need those. But we also need to get outside and go do the things that God wants us to do. I don't know where we've gotten this idea that feeding the poor is something that, you know, Christians aren't supposed to do. Yes, we are. We're supposed to help people. Who else is going to? The Mormons will beat us to it. The Jehovah's Witnesses, all these other people are serving more than us. And I'm saying we've got to figure out ways of being better in our community, of reaching out to those in need. Because if you read scripture, I challenge you to see how often God talks about feeding poor people. Just look it up. It's a lot, folks. And he's talking about taking care of people. And as a church, we've got to do better with that. Now, the church member's role, let me just take 45 minutes to explain this really quickly here tonight. No, you read that. And, uh, you know, faithfulness, using your spiritual gift, serving the Lord in the church, praying for and obeying spiritual leadership when the leadership is following scripture. We know that. 
giving tithes and offerings, being a soul winner, dwelling together in unity. Boy, there ought not be opposition from within. There's enough opposition from without. Why is there any within? So it shouldn't be that way. So tonight, how is your relationship with the church? Are you passionate about it? Are you counting the minutes till it's over? Are you thankful God's allowed you to find a great church that teaches truth? Are you serving in the church? And then, hey, together, let's decide as, as, as Gethsemane Baptist Church, you are part of the church. Don't be like, don't say things like, well, this is what you guys do there. No, if, if you're part of our church, this is what we do here. Take some ownership. Be a part. Don't be like, that's what you guys do, huh? I hate that so much. I'm not going to pick at you about it. If you do it to me, I'm not going to be like, yeah. I'm not going to do that. But, but it, it bugs me sometimes, you know, because I'm thinking, it should be my church. I'm a part of this. I'm a member here. I'm, I'm invested. I'm involved. It's my church. I'm a part of this thing. And let's be invested. Hey, let's, let's seek to edify people. Let's seek to be edified. Let's exalt Christ in all that we do. And let's do our part to evangelize the world. Father, tonight, we thank you for the church. Where would we be?